This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 19th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Bitcoin was center stage on Capitol Hill yesterday. The tone from members of the U.S. Senate, respectful, perhaps owing to the fact that the future of the decentralized digital currency doesn't have to be in the U.S. Jerry Brito is author of Bitcoin, a primer for policymakers, and a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center. He testified yesterday. He comments on the future of Bitcoin. I think a lot of people were surprised at how receptive uh, these members of the Senate were to this idea of allowing Bitcoin to proceed essentially unencumbered with some regulation as we would treat other money transmitting services, but largely very respectful. I have to say I'm a little surprised, but not too much, right? So. Uh, I had been in, uh, talking to the committee that held the hearing for some time, and they seemed to get it uh, almost immediately that this was an innovation uh, that holds great potential, and uh, they didn't want to kill it as they addressed some of the risks. And I think you could see that in the title of the hearing, which was Beyond Silk Road. I think all the media focused on, oh, my God, the title has Silk Road in it, but they forgot the beyond part. It seemed like they wanted to get beyond Silk Road and focus on the innovative uh, potential. And the, the point that you make that I think a lot of people still don't really get is that if you're going to choose a currency to engage in illicit practices, Bitcoin's not it. I, that's absolutely right. And, it's, and I was very heartened to see that the Secret Service in their testimony made that same point, which is we talked about virtual currencies broadly, and this was a hearing about virtual currencies, but all the, in, all the interest is about Bitcoin. And here's the thing, but virtual currencies have been around for a long time, for decades. World of Warcraft Gold, Facebook Credits, Microsoft Points, these are all currencies. So what makes Bitcoin different? It's that it's decentralized. There is no one company that is issuing it, that is tracking it, right? So if you are a criminal enterprise, would you rather use a decentralized currency like Bitcoin, where nobody controls it, and every transaction, technically, for it to work, has to be logged at the time, the amount, and some pseudonym for you? Or do you want to use a virtual currency like Liberty Reserve, which was a, a, a currency that was shut down by the federal government uh, a few months ago, where you could pay a fee to the issuer to subvert the know your customer rules and so that they wouldn't ask for who your, your name was and they wouldn't report the amount that you were transferring. So yes, uh, uh, as the Secret Service said yesterday, uh, you know, the uh, Eastern European uh, mafia uh, online, which accounts for a lot of the money laundering online, uh, prefer centralized currencies. They, they're not looking at Bitcoin. So where do we go from here? What, what in terms of like the state level regulation and federal regulation, what is, what is likely to come? So a couple things. Um, one is that uh, it's not over on the Hill yet. So yesterday was the Homeland Security Committee hearing, which I testified. But today there is a Senate Banking Committee hearing um, uh, that's later today. And we'll see if, we, if, if Bitcoin gets as good a reception there. I think we'll have some more um, sort of forward-thinking questions there, like what are the tax implications? What are the monetary implications? Um, and I think those questions might be uh, a little more challenging than simply you know, how do you deal with money laundering, which I think is actually an easier problem. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see. But as you say, the real regulatory hurdles are not at the federal level. At the federal level, um, the status quo could be better, 
Because we could have some more clarity uh, from the Treasury Department, for example, but it's not too bad. The real problem is at the state level. Because if you are a Bitcoin business and you want to start a Bitcoin business, you have to get a money transmission uh, license. And that is a very onerous process. And what we're seeing is states slowly beginning to figure out how they're going to issue these, if at all. And uh, we're seeing states like New York now uh, thinking of issuing special licenses for virtual currencies, which is, um, you know, interesting. We don't know much about it, but potentially dangerous. Now, when you say a Bitcoin business, you mean a business primarily making use of Bitcoin and not necessarily providing services outside of the Bitcoin ecosystem. Right. So what I'm talking about are exchangers. So if you are uh, a facility that provides an exchange between dollars and Bitcoin, or if you are some sort of merchant service uh, uh, company, some sort of money transmitter, um, you would need to get a license. By and large, if you're just a store that's accepting Bitcoin for payment, you don't have to get that kind of license. But uh, the FinCEN guidance does leave some of that uh, a little uh, unclear. So we're hoping that they uh, will clarify that. You know, the other thing I think that is um, not having to do with regulation but sort of tangential to it is banking. Um, today, Bitcoin businesses are having a very, very difficult time getting a checking account. Right? So if you're an exchange, you need somewhere to hold the dollars that you're exchanging for Bitcoins. And if you, your business, your application has the word Bitcoin on it or anywhere near it, um, banks just don't want to touch you. And it's simply because they're on the hook uh, for any uh, money laundering, anything that they didn't see. That's where the regulations are written. Right? So um, being associated with Bitcoin puts you in a different risk profile. They just don't want to touch you. So hopefully, uh, what can come out of these hearings and these interactions uh, here in, uh, in D.C. is that uh, the banking community, we get the message that, oh, you know, this is not as, this is not toxic. This is actually perfectly legitimate. We just have to treat it like any uh, new emerging payment where, you know, we have to keep a closer eye on it. Is part of the overall positive reception by this committee and, I guess, more broadly, senators, uh, is part of that just driven by the fact that it is decentralized, that there is no central control, there's no there's there's nobody to hound, there's nobody to browbeat? <laughs> I think it's, it's a following and it's something that was evident in the testimony of Ernie Allen, who uh, is president of the International Center for Missing and Exploited Children, who's very concerned about uh, virtual currencies being used for child exploitation. Um, but he got it, and I think the committee gets it too, which is that if you make uh, a regulatory environment in the U.S. that is uh, hostile to virtual currencies, and not just to the illicit use of virtual currencies, which you know, obviously the state's already hostile to, um, but hostile to any use, even legitimate uses, what will happen, because it is decentralized, is that these businesses will go to other jurisdictions where there's more, you know, there's a greater reception. There's a, re there's a reason why the first ever Bitcoin ATM, which uh, opened last month to great fanfare, uh, opened in Vancouver, Canada, and not in San Francisco or New York. The second one opened yesterday, and it was in Turkey. And the reason is that if you ask uh, the manufacturers of those um, Bitcoin ATMs, which uh, are Americans, they tell you the regulatory environment in the U.S. just is not uh, up to snuff. So countries like Germany, Canada, um, the U.K. have been proactive in telling uh, exchanges, serve, you know, merchant services in their countries, you're not subject to regulation here, and here are 
guidance. Here's guidance on how you have to comply with tax law. So they, you know, they're getting ahead of us. Do you think that the United States will catch up? I know the IRS has already issued some limited guidance. The Federal Election Commission has also issued guidance. No, actually not. So the Federal Election Commission was uh, scheduled to vote on approving um, campaign donations in Bitcoin, and they tabled that for the next hearing. Um, I imagine that it will go through, but they wanted to coordinate with the CFTC, which was interesting. The IRS has been asked by the GAO to issue guidance, and they have said, um, we will, and they are looking at it, but they haven't issued it yet. So yes, the the wheels are turning slowly here in the US. Will we catch up? I hope so. Um, I think the advantage that we have is that we have, regardless of what the regulatory environment is around payments, we have phenomenal regulatory environment around uh, entrepreneurship in this country still uh, uh, re- with regards to privacy, with regards to uh, capital uh, um, uh, investment. So I'm hoping that that will, will – will, will basically all the innovators are here. All the venture capitalists are here. All the great ideas are still here. All the great programmers are behind Bitcoin uh, are in the U.S. Um, but it's a global phenomenon and uh, you see more and more – of the interesting Bitcoin businesses opening up in Europe. And China um, is just going nuts over Bitcoin. Uh, the world's largest Bitcoin exchange is now in China. Um, and every day you have more and more uh, of the Bitcoin clients being downloaded in China. Yuri Brito is a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center. You can learn more about Bitcoin and its hurdles at our website, cato.org.